Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five. Welcome back to Fizz 5. It's a beautiful day to talk with Liam Griffin. I'm Ethan Frank. LG, how are you doing on this beautiful Tuesday morning? Yeah, Ethan, you said it. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning. You know, the sun is out. We're starting to drift away from that summer doldrums period. And, you know, football season right around the corner, man. And I got to tell you, I couldn't be more excited. Absolutely right. Speaking of football, let's get into topic number one. Number one. Topic number one, going to be talking about Deuce Chestnut. Did you see the comments this guy made, LG, about possibly Syracuse being a top 10 team in the country? I know everyone has lofty goals, but Syracuse, top 10, top five? Are you kidding me? So here's the main thing I took away from that. Like, well, obviously, Deuce Chestnut's comments were lofty and maybe a little too self-confident, which there's no problem in. I don't don't mind a little confidence being shown from the players but the fact of the matter is Ethan if Syracuse wants to be a top five top 10 team I would be honest with you they have the schedule to do it you win out then chances are you will be a top 10 team in the country is that going to happen probably not but at the same time you know if you're going to set those lofty goals to yourself you do have a chance to accomplish them that will it be easy absolutely not but it's possible it's definitely possible. Anything is possible. You never know. Teams get hot, and, and that just happens. But when you look at this roster, obviously you have a lot of returners on the defensive side. You have your you know all-American potential in running back in Sean Tucker, but there are a lot of questions on this team. That starts with Garrett Schrader at quarterback. Who is he throwing the ball to on the outside? Can the offensive and defensive lines hold up in the trenches against Power 5 teams in the ACC? You look at the talent Syracuse is going to play this season, and we're going to talk about the schedule a little bit later with the USA Today coaches poll coming out and Syracuse's opponents. There are a lot of tough ones in there. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, It will be very interesting. There are I wouldn't say there are more questions than answers, but there are certainly a lot of questions with this team and and not one that I would say is top 10 caliber right now. It has... I don't even think it has the potential, maybe be ranked at some point. Okay. If everything, but everything has to go right for you to be ranked at some point, but in, in no way, shape or form can this team be a top 10 team in the country. Yeah. Right now you have to ask yourself, like who's Garrett Trader going to throw the ball to because no one on this roster has came out as a true alpha in that unit. No one top 400 receiving yards last year, Ethan. And it takes a certain level of bad to be able to do that. And obviously, is Garrett Trader even going to start? I mean, look, yeah, he's the front runner, but, you know, he has bad camp and struggles out of the gate. Don't be surprised to see Carlos Dario Wilson or Dan Valari behind center early on in the season. Then, like you said, the defensive line, how is it going to hold up? SU's cornerbacks and linebackers, I have no worries about. When you have studs like Mikel Jones, Garrett Williams, Deuce Chestnut, Marlon Wax anchoring those two units, you shouldn't be worried about it. But the defensive line, like, who's their number one? Who's their number one? There just is no number one at at this point. You you don't know. I mean, Michael Jones could be the leader, but then you look at the offensive side, it's Tucker and who, I I think is the question. Like, it's Tucker and who? The one guy I would point to is Matthew Bergeron, but – right. 
He's a left tackle. Like exactly. And and obviously you want stability from your left tackle. Matthew Bergeron's been getting a lot of praise on social media, but he's still just a left tackle. You need skill position players, especially on this team. And I know Garrett Trader has worked in the offseason about becoming a complete quarterback, but we need to see more consistency from him in the passing game before we can trust that. Absolutely. His passing game was straightforward, not good last year. I mean, heck, he had the game against Virginia Tech. Yeah, solid. But then he goes to Louisville and what's the bed? That's not going to cut it on opening night because guess who you're playing opening night? Those same Louisville Cardinals. So I will it, say it's a good thing that they're hosting Louisville this year and oh not yeah. playing at Louisville oh. because, you know, when Syracuse plays on the road in November, when it's cold, it is not good for a dome football team. A 71 to three, the combined score in the last two matchups between wow. the Cardinals. Wow. That is both, not both, good. Both in Kentucky though. Both in, Kentucky. both in Kentucky. That's true. We will see how things fair on opening night. Liam, any final remarks on Deuce's comments before we move on to topic number two? You're talking the talk, Deuce. Now it's time to walk the walk. LG has called out Deuce Chestnut to walk the walk after his uh, comments well, after practice the well, other let day. Say, let me say this, though. You heard if it here first on if, Fizz 5. If anyone here can do it, it's Deuce Chestnut. If anyone right. here can do it, it's Deuce Chestnut. An important stipulation with that. Let's move on to topic number two. Number two. Topic number two today, Liam, let's talk a little bit about J.P. Estrella, who seems to be Syracuse's number one recruiting target in the class of 2023, a class I've wrote about a lot and saying that Jim Beheim and his staff have have really been pretty quiet this summer compared to last summer when you had obviously had Dior Johnson committed, then he decommitted. You have Kamari Lance commit in April, then he decommits. You have a lot of visits in June. Justin Taylor commits he is ends up being the earliest commitment in the class, even though two people had committed before him. You get Quadir Copeland at the end of the summer to commit, but a lot of action in between this summer. It was pretty quiet, but two names have stuck out in J.P. Estrella and Reed Ducharme, who have been the targets for SU. And Estrella mentioned Reed as a guy that Jim Beheim said, we want you to come in and play with him. The two of them seem to be the main targets right now, but it's Estrella who took the main visit the official visit to SU this past weekend, and it seemed like he really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, J.P. Estrella and Reed Ducharme, I mean, it should come as no surprise that the two are being recruited together because they play at the same high school. They play at Brewster Academy up in the great state of New Hampshire. And, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised that Jim Beheim is narrowing down his focus. I mean, you have two four-stars in Estrella and Ducharme. I mean, why not go after them? One's a small forward. One's a big man at this time next year. That could be a position of, or rather both of those could be a position of need with Jesse Edwards likely gone because he's a senior, unless he decides to take a fifth year waiver and the uncertainty of the transfer portal and the draft with this year's freshman class. I mean, and the writing is on the wall for Jim Beheim to make a push at these two players in particular. Absolutely. And Estrella actually set a commitment date and said he's going to trim down his uh, list soon just before the school year starts in early September. So that first week of September, we will get a decision. There is a crystal ball on 24-7 sports for Iowa for Estrella, but that's only a strength of five. And you can't really put much stock into that. Judah Mintz had half a dozen crystal balls that had him to DePaul, and he's practicing at the Mellow Center right now. So you can't really put a lot of stock into those. Usually they're right, but you never know. Jim Beheim is very good at flipping recruits if he absolutely needs to. But I think Estrella is a guy you really want to get because he is a scoring threat offensively, a really good offensive center. You have 
Munir Hima, who you bring in from the transfer portal. You have Peter Carey, who you bring in as a freshman. But those guys are developmental options. And Estrella said that Behan told him, you will come in and play right away because of the talent this guy has as a four-star Carey, not a four-star Hima, not a four-star, obviously, at this point. But it's always good to have depth and competition in the center room, a place where Syracuse, up until Jesse Edwards played really well last year, have been struggling to find an answer for half a decade. Yeah, Ethan, you mentioned it. You know, Syracuse really hasn't had a giant offensive punch at the center position since Rakeem Christmas. And Rakeem Christmas just wet the bed with Beheim's army. So when you think about that, I mean, how can you not love this show? I mean, I know we talked about Papa Conti earlier in the summer. Cool. You want to focus in on Estrella? Fine by me. He is, he is also extremely talented. And when you look at the competition for him right now, 24-7 sports says it's Iowa and Tennessee are the other two in the warm zone. But, I mean, when you look up and down the list, Duke looked at him, Kansas looked at him. These aren't exactly scrubs in the college basketball world, Ethan. Now, I'd be, I would be blown away if it isn't one of Iowa, Syracuse, or Tennessee. But, I mean, the fact that those two powerhouses were looking at him tells you a lot about how highly regarded he is. That's absolutely right. It was expected for a while that Estrella was going to go to Duke, but he decided to cancel his official visit and took the Blue Devils off his list entirely. So that was really interesting as well. Estrella, we will get a decision on him in the coming weeks, and and we'll see if Beheim's pitch was able to pay off. He said he even got to play golf with Joe Girard and a couple of the other Syracuse players and assistant coaches at beautiful Drumlin's Country Club. I know you're a big golf golf guy. What do you think J.P. Estrella shoots at Drumlin's? I mean, I have no idea. I've never seen him play golf before. <laughs> I just want to know if he played the the public course or the private course. That shows you how much I, that would show you how much they care oh, yeah. about about Estrella on his visit. That would be interesting to hear because as students, you get to play the the uh, the West course for free. The East course, that's the private course. Maybe they took him out on the private course and really made a statement. We will have to see. We'll get a decision on JP Estrella in early September. Syracuse seems to be firmly in the mix and sticking with recruiting, but in a different aspect, let's shift to topic number three. Number three. Staying with basketball recruiting, but on the women's side, LG, I know you're a big fan of Felicia Leketjak and the work she's been doing on the recruiting trail. Tell us about SU's newest recruit in the class of 2023. Yeah, so you bring in uh, class of 2023 forward, Alyssa Latham from Illinois, the 68th best player in her class, first 2023 prospect, to pick the orange, she picked SU over Oklahoma State, Rutgers, Marquette, Northwestern, and Loyola. And that's what you like to see, Ethan, because ever since the fallout of the Coach Q controversy a little over a year ago, this program has been in a terrible spot. They've been down in the doldrums. And now when you look at the great job Coach Leggett Jack has done bringing in transfers and late recruits from the class of 22, and now you start out the t- 23 recruiting cycle with an absolute bang. I mean, how can you not be excited about the future of the women's basketball program at SU that Felicia Leggett Jack is starting to build? Absolutely right. Exactly what I was going to say. And you look at the talent she's already brought in. She has solidified a roster that was losing a lot of players from last year. And let's just call 2021-22 like a transition season where you bring in a lot of players who are only going to play one year. Tisha Hyman, really the only player that contributed heavily last season that is still going to be on the roster. 
Speaking of Teach Hyman, Felicia like get Jack all over social media. I, I love her Twitter. It is absolutely wonderful. The amount of updates she provides. She said Tisha and her went to church on Sunday. I mean, she's just being she's just out in the community advocating for Syracuse athletics. And I think that's something you love to see. But building relationships with players that were already there was key. And that's why Tisha's still in the fold in Syracuse. And, and I couldn't speak more highly of the job Felicia Leggett Jack has done to bring in talent on a roster that was was pretty barren of talent yeah. Yeah, last you, season. Ethan, you mentioned how Coach Leggett Jack has been all out in the community, like preaching positivity all over Twitter. Like that's something you don't see from other SU coaches. You don't really see it from Dino that much. You certainly don't see it from Jim Beheim. And that's not a knock on those guys, but I think it's awesome that Coach FLJ is trying to get central new york excited about this program because last year let's be real they didn't have much to be excited about but now now it's time for the train to get rolling now you can try to get the fan you can try to get the community into the building for a team that may very well make the ncaa tournament this year absolutely the improvements should be vast for syracuse women's basketball in its first season under felicia like at jacket and it you just have to give more credit to John Wildtack for getting that hire done yeah. because it was a clear choice. And if he did not go with Felicia Leggett just down the road at Buffalo, fans would have been up in arms. The media would have been up in arms. Fans would have been up in arms. Good job on John Wildtack getting it done. And it looks like it is paying dividends early for Syracuse women's basketball and Syracuse athletics as a whole. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, both I talked to both Kale Trainer and Dino Babers about this. Both of them talked about Felicia Leggett Jack with very, very high regard. They were beyond excited to have her in their little coaches club, if you will. And I think that goes to How'd you get invited to the coaches club? I didn't get invited. I talked to trainer and Babers separately. Oh, okay. I, dude, dude, if I, I can, if I can get a pass into that coaches club, oh boy. <laughs> that would be fun. Indeed. Oh, yeah. LG is going to try to get into the coaches club, but we're going to move on to topic number four. Number four. All right, let's transition back to football. We teased it a little bit earlier. Syracuse's schedule, the USA Today coaches poll came out yesterday, oh. and it is an absolute gauntlet. Five teams in the top 19 on SU schedule. Let's start October 15th, hosting number 13, NC State. Then the next week, October 22nd, on the road at number four, Clemson. The very next week, right before Halloween, hosting number 25, number five, excuse me, Notre Dame. And then on the road, November 5th, that very next week, four weeks in a row at number 16, Pittsburgh. And then two weeks later, the weekend before Thanksgiving, on the road to take on number 19, Wake Forest. What an absolute gauntlet, LG. And obviously things will change throughout the season. But looking at this from a preseason perspective, you better take advantage of September if you're Syracuse. Ethan, I think when ESPN wrote an article a few weeks ago that listed the four-game stretch you just talked about, the NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh stretch. ESPN ranked that as the toughest four-game set in all of college football this coming season. The toughest four games in the entirety of the sport. Wow. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like you said, you have to take advantage of September. But to do so, you're going to need to beat Louisville, who you've struggled against. You're going to need to beat Purdue, who's got a dynamic offense. You're going to need to beat Virginia, who will be coming in for revenge on Robert and I and Jason Beck. So it ain't going to be easy. It is, it is a gauntlet, like you mentioned, Ethan. And 
I mean, if Syracuse does not go 0-5 in this game, the, these five games we just talked about, it should be considered a success. It should be considered a success. Make no mistake. This is going to be brutal. It will, indeed. It'll be cold in Pittsburgh. It'll be cold in Winston-Salem. And we know Syracuse does not play well in the cold uh, because even though they are from Syracuse, they play indoors and everything Syracuse does is indoors. So we've seen it in years past. We saw it against Louisville. We saw it against NC State this past year that Syracuse does not play well outside in November. So that will be very interesting. The game at Syracuse has played Clemson well. I'm not going to deny that, but winning in Death Valley at Clemson is no small task in Notre Dame under Marcus Freeman. We'll see how they are in year one under him, but that will be very interesting as well. NC State is a game you may be able to steal, but that's not a given either. Got to contain Devin Leary. You got to contain Devin Leary. Absolutely, you have to contain Devin Larry. We'll see where Syracuse is ranked after those games, maybe in the top 10 or top five, like Deuce said. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like we talked about, Deuce, you want to be a top five, top 10 team? Sweep these games. <laughs> Sweep these games. You can't afford to lose one, given where you're starting the season in the rankings. Right. I mean, we'll see what the AP poll is like. I, I wouldn't expect all of these teams to be ranked by the time Syracuse plays them. I mean, Pitt. You have no Kenny Pickett. You have no Jordan Addison. We'll, we'll see how, how good they are. I have more confidence in Wake than I do Pitt to be ranked at this point because of how many how much returning talent they have. But we'll see. Uh, I would expect at least three or five to be ranked, though, yeah, also, at minimum. And people forget Pitt is coming in at a disadvantage because they're changing their stadium name to something absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yes, I'm sure that'll have a massive effect on it. Oh, it definitely will. It definitely will. You know, it's going to get all in their heads, and it's going to deteriorate their level of play, Ethan. All right. If I'm, being, you... I'm, I am, I'm being a little sarcastic. I, I could tell the, the facetious in, in, in your voice. All right. With that, I think that ends our conversation on Syracuse football. Let's move on to our final topic of the day, number five. Number five. All right. I wanted to do a little, you know, back and forth here for our final topic. And that is a dream men's basketball starting five football is all the talk right now, but as a lover of men's basketball, my entire life, we have to talk about this potential starting five because the pictures we've been getting on social media from, you know, off season training at the mellow center have looked really, really good. So I've got my potential starting five LG. I want to hear your potential starting five first though. All right. So at the one, you got Judah Mintz, the highest rated recruit in the class at the point call. At the shooting guard, you have Joe Girard, who can finally adjust to the shooting guard role this year because let's be real, he's a shooting guard in a point guard's body. Number three, at small forward, Chris Bunch, the other top 100 recruit in the class. And assuming he has a good training camp, he should be able to fill in that starting role. At power forward, you got Benny Williams. Benny started to show some flashes towards the end of the season, especially against the Duke Blue Devils. Even though that game was a blowout, we finally started to see some of the potential that we were all looking for at the beginning of the season. And at the big man spot, you get Jesse Edwards, another one of your returning starters. So one other thing I want to point out before you get to yours, Ethan, I don't want to see Simon Torrance in this starting lineup. And that's not an off on him. It's that he's, I, he's a perfect third guard. He's exactly. a perfect third guard. I really think he started to fill into that role nicely as the season went on, like, like he played well down the stretch against he, North Carolina. He did. Yes, he, absolutely. He played well as well. So I'd love to see him continue 
to fill in that role and maybe work on his outside game a little bit too. Absolutely. I really like that. I have exactly the same starting five as you, but I have a stipulation. I want that third, that wing spot. You said Chris Bunch. In mine, it's either going to be Chris Bunch or Justin Taylor. I'm going to leave it up to you, Jim. Jim Behan. Whoever has a better preseason, I don't care who's starting because they are very similar players. It can be Justin Taylor. It can be Chris Bunch. I don't care. Whoever has a better lead-up to the season, insert into the starting lineup because I can't say enough about them at this point that I know who would be a better fit with those guys. And maybe some more comes out of nowhere. I've heard reports Malik Brown has a college-ready body. He is ready to bang and go down in the post in the paint. Um, and he provides a lot of energy, especially on the defensive end, which is something Syracuse severely lacked last season. So we will see, you know, maybe he plays a lot of minutes early, but I think it's going to come down to Bunch or Taylor. And I don't care who it is. I just want whoever plays better in the preseason and for Jim to make the right decision. Yeah, and I don't think either of them is a bad choice. Like they both bring their own skill set. Like from what I've read, Bunch is a little bit better at attacking the basket, but Taylor can stretch the floor a little bit more. Heck, that's why they've been comparing him to Buddy Beheim so much around around campus. And here we go. Here we go, man. So down the stretch, I mean, like I touched on this a few weeks ago, you can only lose one non-conference game to Illinois. That's the only game you can lose because otherwise, other than that, this non-con schedule is a joke. So you put the right starting lineup in there. You almost run the table in the non-conference play. Then you get into the ACC you play well-ish there, then, then, Ethan, we can talk about the NCAA tournament. We will see about that. Early November, late October can't come soon enough oh, yeah. when basketball gets going because, you know, football is inevitably going to break Orange fans' hearts. LG, any final words before we sign off for today's edition of Fizz 5? Uh, Damian Alford, time for you. I'm counting on you to jump up as the wide receiver one. All right, Bambi. Bambi, you heard that. Andy. LG's coming for Andy. you. He also said, Deuce, you better back up what you said. Um, so LG's got vendettas against a couple of Syracuse football I players. I call them vendettas. I've called them challenges. Okay. LG is challenging Syracuse football players. I'd like to see you get out there and challenge them on the field, Oh, it, oh it, it wouldn't end well, Ethan. It wouldn't oh, end well. Oh, I'm sure it would not. All right. That will do it for this edition of Fizz Vive. For Liam Griffin, I'm Ethan Frank. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out all of our content all week long at orangefizz.net and give us a follow on Twitter at orangefizz. We'll see you next time. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.